If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. You can't be making reckless moves Cause there's so much at stake When you got some shit to lose Your decisions gonna change Cause every action got a consequence Consider your ways Hardest thing to do in life Is elevate through your pain I can relate to feeling like Your life is stuck in the face Giving effort but results Just keep remaining the same Have some patience with yourself Shit ain't as bad as you claim I seen the homeless nigga smile While he was standing in rain It's all about perspective I'm chilling, catching blessings And cryptocurrency been busting And I'm well invested She know that if she rock with me Then she gonna stay protected Cause even when this shit get hectic I ain't never stressing, I'm legend. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause it ain't a second, I can waste, I'm putting food on place. Mill. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wolf Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bellard, one-fourth of the Black Wolf Renaissance, checking in with my co-hosts, Jared and Jalen. How y'all feeling, my brothers? What up, what up, what up? It's your boy, Jalen, man, another quarter of the Black Wolf Renaissance Podcast. I'm feeling good, man. I cannot complain. It's Saturday. Another one in the books. We about to go in, bro. As y'all can tell, we got an in-studio guest, so I'm yeah, hyped, man. bro. I'm super <laughs> excited for this one. Yeah. What's up, my brother? How you doing over there? What's good? What's good? It's your boy Jared, another fourth of the Black Wolf Renaissance, man. Hey, I'm feeling good, man. It's a great Saturday. We had a great episode already in the books, ready to get into another one, ready to have a really unique guest on. He talk about a lot of different things that we haven't really covered a lot, so I'm ready to get into that. Yeah, that's a fact. I, I don't know nobody doing it like this brother doing it. <laughs> yeah. Real talk. And like Jayla said, man, I appreciate him for coming out. He cut a trip short to come out to Dallas. Missed uh, a party at Dre's nightclub. Yeah, yeah. His homie sending them pictures of a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Girls wilding. Yeah, nah, it, man, like, I'm telling you, it was. I definitely thought twice. I said, you know what? Let me go ahead and get out here. And <laughs> <you> know, bro, <laughs> man. Hey, I'm telling you, bro, we genuinely appreciate it. 
Uh, no problem. Definitely no problem. I just want to say, man, appreciate you guys bringing me on your guys' platform, man. I've been watching you guys. David spoke so highly of you. So I just want to say thank you for allowing me to come out here and, and you know, be able to talk to you guys and let you guys dive in my life. <laughs> hey, man, we appreciate you for coming out here, my brother. Hey, and shout out to David Shane, man. Great guy. Yeah. Great guy. So, yeah. I guess we just go get right into it, uh, folks. So on this episode of the podcast, y'all, we got a great brother out of Atlanta. He is revolutionizing the game right now, y'all. Mm. He's in the home healthcare industry as a mobile detailing business, and he has a non-emergency <laughs> ambulance business. Mr. Jonathan, Jonathan, how you doing, my brother? Man, I'm doing amazing. Yeah, definitely, definitely doing amazing. That's great, man. I'm glad that you could come out here came connect with us. I was listening to something earlier and I heard like whenever you got into the healthcare business, bro, you did a meal in your first year. Yeah. So let me explain that. Yes. I did a million in my first year, but I ended up losing 600,000 in my first year too. Wow. Mm. See, a million that, in revenue. See, but that's what people actually don't tell you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like one of the things that I've learned, especially in business is people kind of like to hype up business say, you know, I made this, I did this, but they never tell you the downfall. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I like to make sure I get out and tell people is like, yeah, I made a million dollars in my first year, but I lost 600,000. The way that I ended up losing so much in my first year was because I jumped into an industry that I knew nothing about mm -hmm. and I didn't have any direction. So when I got into it, I didn't have my policies and procedures correct and I didn't have my foundation mm -hmm. correct for me to be able to build on. And basically for everybody out here that don't know what I do, I take care of people inside the homes using nannies, CNAs, LPNs, which are licensed practical nurses, and registered nurses, and I do own the non-emergency medical company. When you hear non-emergency medical, I use ambulances. You know, it's not the vans. I use ambulances, and we have people like USB, paramedic, and things like that, taking patients away from the hospital because when somebody's in the hospital, they have to discharge, and they're in a stretcher, the hospital don't call 911. Like, mm -hmm. they cannot take a certain amount of ambulances yeah. off the street. So they call it non-emergency. So they call a company like mine and we take them home and we bill their Medicare, Medicaid or their insurance. Mm -hmm. Or if you have, you know, mom and dad that's on dialysis and need to go to the dialysis clinic <laughs> two or three times a week, they call us in and we take them. So that's where I make a lot of my money in. But just getting back to, like I said, my first business of losing so much money because I was in healthcare. at the end of the day, you have to build the foundation. Mm -hmm. So I jumped into it three months later. I end up getting 30 clients from this one doctor office and I didn't know how to manage these clients. So I was doing things like just like, like everything up on the book you could do. I almost actually lost my company oh, because shit. of some of the things that I just did not know I mm. was doing. So thank God the state was like, okay, we see you a brand new brother. You're doing it. We're going to work with you to make sure that you get everything right and be able to get us all the information stuff that we needed. So I just want to make sure people understand that for any business out here, you know, just to give you guys a couple of tips before we dive in. And, yeah. and some very important stuff is no matter what, just being black and owning the business, some of the things they don't tell us is you have to get a good accountant. Because mm, big key. So <laughs> the thing is, at the end of the day, look at it like this. I did the same thing. I said, you know what? When I make X amount of dollars, then I'm going to get an accountant. Mm -hmm. That's the wrong way to think of it. Yeah. You need to have your accountant when you actually start your business. Before, before, you, start you, start, before you start making any money. Because these are going to be the people that's going to do your taxes. These are going to be the people that's going to have the books of how much you bring it in and out. And we have this perception of getting certain services costs a lot of money. But when you're a brand new business and you're taking on an accountant, you have accountants out here who are charge you $100 a month to keep your books and to make sure that, you know, you're doing everything right with your money and stuff like that. 
And then on top of that, you just need to make sure that you have your LLCs, you have your insurances, mm-hmm. and that you're actually paying attention to what's going on in your business with politics. Because in the healthcare business, a lot of things change. We have to stay up to date. So like I tell people now, in the way that I teach, I teach people that you're going to build slow, build the foundation, learn every aspect of your business. And then from there, you will be able to grow and nobody can't come in and tell you that, oh, this cost this or you do this this way because you've done it yourself. And I know I took some time out. No, 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 man. I'm sorry. sorry. Hey, I appreciate the gems right out the door, man. This is that energy I like, (laughs) bro. And I kind of want to just really take a step back and really just talk about how did you even find your way in there, Mm -hmm. into that industry? You know, you said you knew nothing about it. So how did you even get that opportunity to get your foot in the door? All right. So just a short story. So back when I was in high school, I wanted to be a doctor like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about it when I was actually getting ready to graduate and looking at different schools to go to. I'm like, man, do I really want to spend the next 10 years of my life in school just to get a degree and then come out making 250? I'm like, in my mind, I can do some other things, get a degree in four years and become an entrepreneur or do X, Y and Z. And then I'll be able to, you know, make X amount of dollars and then versus being in school for 10 long years. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I ended up going to college for healthcare administration. When I went to college for healthcare administration, I was a tattoo artist. Now I realized I went to college at 17. I didn't graduate to 27. So <laughs> like I was literally taking like one class a semester, two class a semester, take a year off. I was just living life and having fun. But I knew I wanted to be in healthcare because at the end of the day, Healthcare is one of the only industries that no matter what goes on in the world, it has to be here. A lot of times we don't pay attention to our health until we're sick mm. or until a loved one. Until that check engine light come on. Until that check engine light come on. But when that check engine light come on, nothing else matters in the world. And I always look at it like this. If anybody's ever had food poisoning, food poisoning would stop you in your tracks. Hell nothing yes. else don't matters. Yeah. That you don't care. I'm talking about you can have kids. You like, look, I don't got like, you know, you're not going to work. Everything else stops. So I was like, man, what industry can you literally walk up to somebody? Like I said, so for what I do, I take care of people that are sick inside the homes. The type of people that I take care of inside the homes are elderly adults mm-hmm. and kids. If they're elderly, you know, they might be on dialysis. They might have dementia. They could be, I mean, it's a whole a range of stuff that we could do. And we use like nurses. We got to sometimes push meds. They might have wound care. Then we have like the ADL services, which we consider to be unskilled. Skilled is LPNs and RNs. Unskilled is CNAs. Mm -hmm. So for the CNA work, it might be ADL services we call active daily living. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. After daily living, the things that we do that we don't know, when you get up in the morning and go brush your teeth, that's after daily living. Mm-hmm. Somebody who has cerebral palsy, who is not able to get up by themselves, they're going to need some type of help. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you know, for what I do with those active daily living and the skilled and unskilled, you know, that's literally how like I generate my money. So the thing was, um, like I said, when I was in college and I was like coming up and I was thinking about, you know, I really wanted to be the CEO of like a, a hospital, something yeah. like that. But then I was like, no, nah, I want to be an entrepreneur because I just felt like I can grow faster betting on myself mm-hmm. than 
betting on somebody else or working for somebody else. But like I said, going through it, it took me 10 years. I was a tattoo artist for 10, 11 years. That's how I got the piercing in my face you asked me about earlier. So when I was a tattoo artist, one of my friends, he owned a private duty home. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he was taking care of patients inside of his home. And then I just seen how much he grew in doing it. And I was like, you know what? I need to get in on this. But as soon as I was about to get in on it and I was just getting ready to graduate college, he literally came back and was like, nope, don't do this. It's too much red tape. They're trying to kick out all the smaller companies. I have something else, which is private duty nursing inside the home that I'm getting ready to do. Give me a year. And once you give me that year, let me see how it does. And then I'll let you know. So I've just been a tattoo artist doing my thing. And within that one year, he went from like living in this two bedroom apartment type of townhouse thing to staying in what we call in Atlanta. It's a place called Atlantic. This $750,000 condo, $200,000 car. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Now, now it's a little bit. Now I'm paying a lot more attention. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when I paid a lot more attention to it, he helped me actually like open up my company. Like he said, I, you know, this is who you go through. These are the permits and things that you need. All right, here you go. And then once I actually end up going through the process and stuff like that, like, you know, he kind of helped walk me through here and there of questions that I had. But still, yet in fact, you know, I made a lot of bad decisions that I end up, like I said earlier, lost a lot of money because I just did not have somebody just 24 hours a day I could call on to be like, how do you do this? How do you do this? How do you do this? And that's why with my mentorship and what I teach now of how to get into it, I understand not having that can cost you a lot. Yeah. So now I make sure that, you know, anybody that signed up for my course or anything like that, that I'm always there for them. Because like I said, we're in healthcare. And the big thing about what I do is you don't have to have any medical background. You don't have to have no medical knowledge to do what I do. Mm-hmm. We run the business side. You have nurses and CNAs and things that's going to run the clinical side. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is just literally run the business side. So that's why, you know, anybody, no matter what age, can get into what I actually do. Okay, Dope, dope. And I'm glad you shared that piece about it taking you 10 years to finish school, because I think that's something that a lot of people, they kind of forget. Once you get the credits, the credits don't go nowhere. You can no. finish it whenever. So that's just something for somebody that's in that situation. But I wanted to ask, so you got the healthcare administration degree around the same time you started. Was that like a necessity for getting in or it was just kind of like icing on the cake? No, now that I actually... Oh, I've been doing this about four years now. Mm-hmm. My degree did not help me any in what I actually do. Like the only thing that my degree taught me out of all four, it just taught me about different insurances, like PPOs and things like that. Like how insurances actually bill. That's the only thing that it taught me. But I could have learned that anywhere else outside of like going to school and paying all that money to mm-hmm. actually go to school. So yeah, but now that I actually have the degree, and I own a company, now I can comfortably tell people like, yeah, you don't need no degree or any type of medical background to do what I do because I have one and it didn't help me at all in what I actually do. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to talk about what you brought up at the first time. And that was you really losing that money, like in the Mm -hmm. beginning of the year, your first year, I think that that's very pivotal and very vital to really kind of like analyze. So you made this million dollars, but what were some of the things that you were doing incorrectly that caused you to be in this type of deficit? Taxes. Taxes were one of the big things. Like I said, I didn't have an accountant. Mm. So I just started generating all this money out of nowhere. 
and I wasn't. You know I went what your that, tax liability. Yeah, I, was. I didn't think what my tax liability was. I wasn't writing stuff off. I had receipts and all these different things that were just getting thrown away. To this day, I still don't know what some of those receipts <laughs> are that I could have wrote off. So between that, my employees and things, I didn't have a good system of how I was actually. How can I say that? Like being able to clock when they would clock in and clock out mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like so, I wasn't really paying attention to the hours they were working. For what I do from the insurance company, they say, hey. For this one patient, they can work 40 hours a week. My employee, after 40 hours a week, you got to pay out of pocket for this. So some of my employees was working 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week. So when I say 30 or 40 hours a week, so let's say the insurance company say, hey, you can only take care of this patient for 25 hours a week. My employee might have been working 40 hours a week. So guess who was paying for those extra 15 hours? You were. I was. And I had a lot of employees going over. So, you know, it's okay if one employee go over about one or two hours yeah. a month. You know, the family might need it and they might need an extra four hours. That's fine. But when you have one employee that went over 25 hours for the Jeez. whole month, but now you have 30 employees that went over 20 hours, 15 hours, guess who's dish? But I was making so much money, I really wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. You didn't to, think it was going to hurt you yeah, to pay them? Not so much hurt me. I just wasn't paying attention to them overly working those hours. Mm. So they're sending in timesheets to me and I'm just looking at them like, okay, I'm paying you, not paying attention to how many hours actual insurance companies say that they could work. So the insurance company's paying me and I'm still making a lot of money, but I'm like, okay, I'm not understanding. Like, all right, something's not right right here because I'm supposed to be making X amount of dollars. And I'm only making X amount, so I had to go in and figure that out with that. Then I got all these different insurances that I didn't need, paying all this extra money for like general and professional liability Mm -hmm. insurance. And when you get general and professional liability insurance, like sometimes they'll ask you like, you know, what kind of coverage do you need? Mm -hmm. Like exactly what you're doing, how much money are you going to make in your first year? So me being trying to boost, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to do X amount of dollars in the first year. So guess what the insurance company did? They charged me for what? for what I said. Oh, how many employees, how many patients you're going to have? I'm just like, man, I'm growing and this and this. So I've said some outrageous numbers. So guess what? I was paying insurance on these outrageous numbers, but then I had to reel it back in. And then my insurance adjuster came back in and was like, well, really the first year you only did this amount, this, this, and this. So I had to figure some things out with that. And then just on top of that, I was losing patience because I grew so fast mm. and I didn't have enough employees to work. Every day I'm trying to hire three or four employees to work these different type of cases that I have. And we both know doing background check, doing meeting them and running, um, you know, looking into their past and, you know, who they used to work for and stuff. Yeah. That takes time. Yeah, It took like a month for me to get on, I think. Yeah. And that's the whole point. And I'm trying to hire people fast. So just hiring, you know, then my actual patients and clients, they're coming back telling me like, oh, you know, we need gloves or, oh, she may have showed up late. And, you know, I want somebody new and dealing with that type of stuff. So between all of those, it's, I lost a lot of money because I didn't have good policies and procedures in place to handle all of those. And I was doing everything by myself too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with me doing everything by myself, you know, I was just like, I'm a mom say running with like a chicken. Chicken with head cut off. That's a fact, man. That's literally what I was doing. But you're trying to make sure everything happens. And that's the beginning of everything whenever you're an entrepreneur. Like you said, when you're going through that phase where you're laying that groundwork, laying that foundation, you're going to have to kind of do that for a minute. But I kind of want to ask you, so like you mentioned those insurances and things like that. Whenever somebody wants to start like a home health care business mm-hmm. or something, what are like the things that they need to do? Like get your LLC, business license. Do you need like registration with the state, stuff yeah, like so that? 
So the funny thing about the United States is you have some states that are unlicensed and you have other states that are licensed. Like Texas, definitely a licensed state. Mm -hmm. Florida, licensed state. Georgia, licensed state. California, licensed state. You have certain states like Alabama. It's an unlicensed state. Whether it's unlicensed or licensed, you still have to pretty much take the same steps to open up the company, at least in the beginning. So no matter if you want to open up a home health care business, you have to get your LLC. You have to get your EIN number. You have to get your business license, depending on what county you're in. But most of the time, you do have to get your business license. You have to get something called a National Provider Identification Number. Everybody that works in the healthcare industry that provide actual care, whether it's a doctor, physical therapist, they all have an MPI number or anybody that provides any type of care. They're going to have an MPI number. Once you get those numbers, especially, like I said, most states are going to be licensed states like Georgia. Um, you're going to have to do things like get fingerprinted. You're going to have mm-hmm. to like get your background check ran. You're going to have to create policies and procedures for your state. And what the policies and procedures for your state is basically saying that, okay, you're going to be taking on patients and we don't have the time to be looking at every patient that you take in. So if something happens inside of that home, we at least want to have a set standard of what you're going to be able to do. And we need it in writing. So now we can hold you accountable if you don't do it. So you have to create policy. When I say policy and procedure, policy could be an incident report. Mm -hmm. You have to create a policy for an incident report and the actual procedure. So the policy is going to read something like, you know, if X, Y, and Z happen in the home, what are you going to do? And then the procedure is going to be your actual paperwork that's going to say, this is how you execute. Your nurse is going to come into the home and speak with the family. And, you know, that's literally like going to be the policies Mm -hmm. and procedures. But what that does is now the state is going to take all that paperwork and look over and say, okay, now we're going to hold you accountable by these different policies and procedures that you wrote. And we're going to look over them and make sure you have enough to be able for us to be able to give you your permit or license. Now they're going to hold you accountable because they're going to sit here and say that, hey, at least with you having these policies and procedures, Mm -hmm. we know exactly, you know, what you're going to be doing inside the home because you're going to have policies and procedures about the type of individuals you're going to take care of you know, how you're going to run background checks and different things like that. So you don't have to create that. You send all this stuff to the state with a check. And then uh, they typically come back in like 30 to 60 days with your actual permit. And then you'll be able to operate from there. I'm glad you said with the check, what's your typical startup cost for this particular business? So the particular startup cost, I started mine with around $10,000 in my bank account. So I tell people on the safe side, you want to have around 15000 in the bank account to be able to start. Because what you're going to spend money on is you're going to spend money on the actual, like your LLC and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Like in the state of Georgia, it's like $150 to file. You're going to spend money on your insurances, you know, your general, professional, non-owned auto, and your accountant. You're going to spend it on like workers' comp, things Mm -hmm. like that, Mm -hmm. Um, office equipment, which, like I said, in certain states like Georgia, you get to use a home office. That's amazing. In different states like Texas, you can use a home office. But the only thing about Texas is if you do use a home office, you have to have a certain facility where if you're meeting somebody that's wheelchair, like I got to have a ramp. Yeah. So it could be a Starbucks up the street, but it has to be an actual destination um, and and things like that. So, you know, you're going to spend money possibly on the office. And then when you actually start actually working, you're going to have to get a nurse on staff. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to be able to pay her. But in my actual course, which is like, you know, the home healthcare blueprint. My course name is Home Healthcare Blueprint, and the website is homehealthcareblueprint.com. But what you're going to do is I teach people how to hire a nurse on PRN, 
which is as needed basis. The reason keep why that overhead down. keep that overhead because if you hire a, a brand new a nurse that's straight out of school or any nurse, you're gonna be paying a thousand dollars a week for just forty hours a week of her doing whatever. When you hire her up under a PRN, what I used to do was, or uh, what I actually do now, I'm like, I need for you to go out to this patient's house, meet with them, and do this paperwork, this intake paperwork. I used to pay them hourly. When I paid them hourly, it'd be like, they'll charge me three, four hours to do this, and I'm paying them $35 an hour. But then I came back, I said, you know what? I'm not going to do it. It's going to be PRN. I'm going to pay you $60 to go do this intake. I don't care how long it takes you to do the paperwork. You know, I need to have a feeling like another, and then the next day, but I'm only going to pay you $60 to go do this one intake. Now I started noticing all my paperwork was coming in faster, and, <laughs> and I started getting a lot more things done. So that's, that's what I teach, like in the home. I mm-hmm. teach you those hats, because at the end of the day, you know, I've been through everything. Mm-hmm. And I try to explain this to people that just because somebody's successful doesn't mean they know how to teach. Mm. You know, just because somebody is successful doesn't mean that they had a hard time being able to actually learn everything that they need to learn. So I'm the person where I'm successful and I messed up. I did everything wrong. So that means I have the knowledge of if you did do something wrong mm-hmm. and the how not to do things, the experience of, you know, how not to actually do anything wrong and be able to run your company in a good way. So, I mean, that's for any business at all. Because I hear people all the time saying, say, well, my friend that makes $100 million a year told me to do X, Y, and Z. Oh, they're going to coach me. They're going to manage me. And I'm like, that's all nice. But when it really come down to, to it, like, how did this person even really build their wealth? You know, like, do they even have the time to actually, because it sounds good mm-hmm. when somebody sit here and say, you know, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to do this. And then you're calling their phone and they're not actually answering or they're not really giving you the answers. So that's why I always say, look at the people that you're buying these courses from, look at the mentorships and things um, and look more in depth. Because like I said, it's a lot of people out here who they are making very good money doing what they're doing, but they don't know how to teach. They don't know how to coach. So I actually took it upon myself where I think I'm one of them good people that actually know how to teach. I know how to coach because mm-hmm. I tell stories. Um, you explain this story. all well right now. I mean, well, you know, but that's the thing. About, so, I, you know, I just want to make sure that when people leave from here, mm-hmm. whether they open up a home health care business or, you know, go look at my website and things, I still want them to be able to get knowledge on how to open up any business, mm-hmm. regardless of whether they, you know, like I said, look into mine or, or anybody else's because I'm starting to see different things that's going on where people are spending all this money and they're not getting what they're actually paying for. You know, mm-hmm. so I just want to make sure that they that's, understand that. That's big. We actually was just talking about that yeah, on, the pre- on, the on the previous episode. So Capping coaches. Yeah, that's, that's really dope that you talked about that. And I'm glad that you were just sharing all of those things that you learned from your failures, because that is very true. You have some of those people where they're just naturally gifted and they pick up certain things and they can do it really well, but they can't teach you how to do it. They're just like, yo, you just do this, do this, and this is the result you get. But you're like, I mean, I tried that, but it didn't work for me. Yeah, I mean, because th- this is something that we have to get out of doing. We walk in the room, we see somebody else that's successful in whatever they do, and we tell ourselves, I can do what they do because they're able to do it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people walk in the room and look at people and be like, Man, they stupid. I know I can do what they do. I mean, let's stop all the bullshit. Let's stop all the crap. Let's just be honest. Sometimes you meet certain people and you're literally just like, I don't know how you're successful. Like, how are you successful? Like, I'm talking to you. I don't even understand how you're successful. So what we always look at people and we look when we judge them and then we look at them and we sit here and try to be like, 
you know, I'm better than you. I can do better than you if I'm smarter than you. But in the reality of it, a lot of stuff that we do has to do with things that we don't even know that even happens. So with my home health care company, like I got a lot of big contracts. So one of the things is I provide nursing care up in Rome, Georgia, to the school system. The way I got that contract is a lot of things happened behind my back that I didn't know anything about. You know, so at the end of the day, a lot of times, a lot of our success are things that we didn't have no control out of. Do you know what I'm saying? Like no control. So let's say when you guys get onto like, you know, I see you guys on CNN for your guys podcast and things like that. But when you guys make it to there, a lot of things happen that you guys you, we didn't some, even know somebody about. was sitting yeah. in the room and mentioned your name that you mm-hmm. would never know about. And somebody looked into you guys and okayed it, and then they just go up from there. And we randomly get an email. And you randomly get an email, and you're just thinking, like, oh, man, I just got this email. So we got to get out of trying to look at other people and be like, oh, because this person is successful, then I can be successful like them. So, you know, that's why I sit here and tell people, like, at the end of the day, you can work as hard as you want at anything and still not make it. That's a fact. We live in a world where kids die young. We live in a world that you can do everything right and still fail. So when I coach people, I honestly tell people these type of things because these are things that people need to know. It's kind of reality we don't like to face. It's kind of like mental health. It's kind of like one of the things where, especially in the African-Americans, like, you know, we kind of like be like hush-hush about Mm -hmm. it. Why are we being hush-hush about these things that you can work as hard as you can give everything that you have and still fail? And then you get somebody else who barely even gives anything and becomes successful. You know, this is the reality that we actually live in. So what I teach people now is I teach people not to really fall in love with the actual goal. So when I say the actual goal, so my goal is I live in a mansion. I own a Lamborghini. I fly whenever I want. All that materialistic stuff. Okay, that's all nice and dandy. Like I kept falling in love with the goals that I kept mm-hmm. setting in front of myself and I kept hitting them. I kept hitting the target every time. And it wasn't I satisfying. The- and it wasn't satisfying. It started like, it was satisfying me for a second, but mm-hmm. it wasn't that satisfying after, you know, I brought the new Lamborghini. Oh, it's fun for a month. Now I need to go buy another car. Now I need a bigger house. Now I need to take a bigger private jet, newer shoes, newer this. And I kept trying to buy my happiness. And then what I do for a living, you know, I love what I do. I love taking care of people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where my true happiness is. But I kept trying to chase these different goals and I kept looking around and looking at everything else everybody else had. And I'm sitting there trying to judge myself on the people around me. I kept looking around and I'm like, oh, man, he just brought a new car. So I need to go buy a bigger car. And I just wasn't being happy. And these are the things that people like they just don't talk about. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling people out here, like, you know, do what you actually love. You know what I'm saying? Like some people love making money then what you actually do for a living every day doesn't really matter, but you have to be true to yourself. Mm-hmm. What I've come to see is I've seen so many people lie to themselves that they actually start believing the bullshit that comes out of their mouth. Talk about it. Let's just be honest though. And I tell people this too. I'm a person that for what I do, I love taking care of people that like by far, but I'm not the person that would give the shirt off my back to my neighbor. I would never love my neighbor. Like I love myself. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. That's the things we don't talk about. The reason why we don't talk about that is because as soon as you say stuff like that, you're, you're being selfish. labeled. You're selfish. You're being labeled as X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But I'm like a the glass half full type of person. So at the end of the day, I look at it like 
at least I can say things about myself and I really know myself because now I can work on myself. Have you ever just really met somebody that really don't like, you know, they say all these things about themselves, like I'm this nice person, I'm this loving person. But in every situation they get put in where it it's comes the for them to stand opposite. up, they're the exact opposite. And I look at it and I'm sitting there like, how is this even pop? Because I'm looking at it, I'm like, you have actually believed the bullshit that's mm-hmm. coming out of your mouth. You have lied so much to yourself and other people that you honestly believe the lies. You have lost yourself. You fell in love with your words and not your actions. And not your actions. So at the end of the day, I sit here and I try to tell people that, you know, for what it is, most people can't look at themselves in the mirror and understand who they really are. Mm. They literally look at themselves in the mirror and say, man, I'm this amazing person that does this, this and this. But why every time a situation come up, it's always coming from you. It's always stemming from you. Have you ever met somebody where, you know, you ask them about a situation and every time the situation. They always falling out with somebody, but they don't know. They don't realize they're the common denominator. They don't realize. And you ask me, like, what did you do in this situation? What did you actually do in this actual situation? And the situation that, you know, when we ask them what they did in the situation and they actually always say and they always come back and say nothing. You did something wrong. Had to do something. Yeah, like you literally had to do something wrong. So like, what did you do wrong? So I've just come to find out that a lot of people, mm-hmm. they just don't understand themselves. So I'm like, how can you grow if you don't understand your actual self? You don't actually know yourself. So I always try to tell people and teach people like, you know what? You want to be in home health care. You know, you got goals. You want to mm-hmm. take care of your family things. That's all nice. But you have to understand yourself. Mm-hmm. Because and especially in healthcare, you're gonna to have to do a lot of things where you're literally helping people that cannot help themselves. It it's emotionally taxing. Yeah, it's emotionally, and then you're gonna to have to make some decisions that can literally hurt people or it help can, people. It can kill people. Yeah, and and you have to be the person that have to make these decisions. So at the end of the day, especially getting into home healthcare things like this, you know, it's a whole. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so I've been able to come around and I've been able to try to make myself whole by always. Every day, I'm always trying to work on something inside of myself. But like I said, I know myself. And when I say that I actually know myself, would I be the person that would jump in front of a car to save somebody else's life? Probably not. You okay with that? I'm just going, but I'm okay with that. You can label me whatever you want to label me. But I look at it as being how many people would say that they will, but in reality, they, they really won't. I mean, and they really won't. So we got to get out of this trying to boost ourselves up as being somebody that we just aren't. And then a lot of people, like I said earlier, they don't even know that they are leaving lying to themselves anymore. So I, I want to just make sure that people understand, like, you know, mental health, working on yourself, believing in yourself means so much than anything else out of the end of the day. Because, you know, you have to become one because you're the only person that can stop you from doing anything else inside this world. Let's just be honest. You're the only person that can really start. You're fighting against yourself. Mm-hmm. And that inner work is what you needed to handle before you mm-hmm. can. But for yeah. you, because look, you know, one of my friends explained this to me. and He did a very well job. We're only as good as our bad habits. Mm. So, we, you know, you ever had something where you're supposed to, you tell yourself, I'm going to wake up at 7 a.m. tomorrow. I'm going to get up. I'm going to eat well. I'm going to go running. I'm going to go do this, this, and this. Ain't do none of that shit. So guess what happened? You wake up the next day. You told yourself you want to wake up at 7 a.m., but your bad habit had you wake up at 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock. Hell, even 11 o'clock. You're only as good as your bad habits. But if you don't even know you have bad habits, how are you going to grow? Mm-hmm. That's deep. Let's just be honest. Like I said, I didn't come here to try to fluff people. I didn't come here to be like, 
do what I do, make all this money, do all this. No, we got some real shit that we need to work on inside of ourselves. You know, so that's why I say I thank you for having me on this platform, but we got some work to do. Mm-hmm. Us as as black, like we got a lot of work that we mm-hmm. need to do. What I do, it it gives me happiness. I love it to death. That's when I'm really only really being happy is when I'm going out here seeing my patients. When I'm seeing that what I do on a day-to-day basis is helping people. You know, I can hire one nurse to mm-hmm. do what I do and I won't have anything else to do with my company. But I choose not to do that because I actually love seeing that my hard work is changing people's lives. I love getting those phone calls from those parents. I love getting those phone calls, you know, from the hospital saying, hey, we got a new patient. You know, what's going on? I love speaking to the doctors about what's going on, being able to work on, you know, these people's health care. That's what I love doing. And honestly, I've lost myself. And currently right now, like, I'm trying to get back to that because I start, like, even now, like, you know, I'm making millions of dollars a year. I'm having all this fun. I'm traveling, I'm doing all this, but I'm starting to lose myself in what actually makes me happy. Sometimes I'm sitting at home, like, I'm not happy. Like, I'm legitimately just not happy. Like, I'm like, I'm just not happy. I need to go do something to make myself mm-hmm. happy. And then that's what lead down to drugs. That would lead mm-hmm. down to alcoholism and things like this. So I don't drink or smoke. I don't do either one of them. Like I said, but for people who do have, like, they drink, they smoke, that will cause them to start drinking and smoking more. That will cause them to start doing things. I mean, as a race, most people are just not happy, but they won't ask for the help. You know, as soon as they say that I'm not happy, now it's you're depressed. You know, you're this type of person, that type of person. We're scared to talk it's, about yeah, these things. We're scared to talk about things. I am a multi-millionaire, and I'm telling people that I'm not happy. The only happiness I get is when I'm operating my company and I'm physically helping other people. Outside of that, I'm not happy on day-to-day. I'm single, no kids. I'm just here. But my thing is I'm trying to teach people Mm -hmm. that just because you reach this level of success, that does not mean that that's going to be happiness for you. Because once you reach it, you're going to be like, I need more, I need more, I need more. What people need to do is so much not fall in love with the actual goal, but Mm -hmm. fall in love with the process. Mm -hmm. Once you fall in love with the process, no matter if you make it to the goal or not, it doesn't matter because you fell in. So me, I love actually opening up companies. I love chasing after the dollar. Not once I get the dollar. The chase for the dollar means more to me than anything else, because at any point, you know, I could say some people to say I need to make a million dollars within one year then they don't make a million dollars in one year or their friend make a million dollars when they don't. And then they start feeling depressed. They start feeling like they have to pull back. And then all these other things start happening, kind of like a snowball effect. But who cares? If you fell in love with the process of you reaching that million dollars in that one year, yeah, you may not have made it, but you made 600,000. So and you were still happy. And you're still happy because some, we're starting to trick our, our mental health. Man, something got to change out here. Like it's deeper than just, you know, what we're talking about and things like this. But I just want to make sure that people understand, like, you know, we got to we got to fit some things out here and you got to be bigger than you. When you open up these type of companies, become an entrepreneur, it has to be bigger than you. When I opened up my company and stuff, it wasn't bigger than me. That's why I am where I am right now. It wasn't bigger than me. So when you get people that say, I'm going to open up this company so, you know, my mom and dad can retire so my kids can you know, have X, Y, and Z. So I can, it, not just the materialistic things of, mine was materialistic. I wanted the Lamborghini. Cool, I got it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bigger than me. <laughs> it just wasn't. You know, when it you got- It was self-satisfying. It was, it was self-satisfying stuff. It wasn't bigger than me. 
So now then I'm starting to kind of switch what I'm starting to do and I'm starting to make it where it's bigger than me. Now I'm starting to have like a lot more gratification and I'm mm. starting to just be a happier person at the end of the day. And yeah. that's just what it's about. Mm. It's about impact, not just the income. Definitely. And I'm glad that you just went in on that because it is a lot of people, they see the glitz and the glamour, especially of social media. Social media is just like huddle. It's a highlight reel. You know, you get to see the best of the best plays, but you don't get to see the day to day. Like you said, whenever you sitting in home and you by yourself, you know, you don't have a wife, you don't have kids and you yeah. get to thinking about those things or even whatever type of situation you're going through on a personal level. Once you get by yourself, that's when it really hits you. And I'm glad you also touched on, you know, the alcoholism and the drugs, because I went live maybe like almost three weeks now. And I talked about that. I was like, a lot of people, they think that success equates happiness, but success only amplifies what's inside of you. No, you're right. If you broken on the inside, it's just going to amplify that brokenness. You might have a lot of money, but at the same time, what are you doing? Are you, you out here being rude, being nasty to people? Treating Old people Scrooge ugly. Yeah. Are you are you out here just drinking all your life away every time somebody see you? You know, you drunk, you you can't stand up. Are you out here just popping pills, snorting coke, whatever it is? There's a vice that once you reach to that level of success, that will come out of you if you haven't found that peace in it. You want to know, and also what the problem is, just piggybacking off what you said, we're taking our success. And then we're looking at other people's success mm. and we're trying to judge our success towards their success. So, and years ago, this had to be maybe like, cause I'm 31 now, maybe like 10 years ago when I was 21, I met this dude, I was staying in Atlantic station. He was a backpacker. So he backpacked through Europe. That's what he did like for a living. When you backpack through Europe, it's literally you in the backpack and, and you, you go just city to city and you work minute jobs. You live with people that you meet and you just do these jobs. I'm talking about like working at a bar, or working on a farm, that's what you just do. This man told me that in a year, he made like $35,000 in a year. He said, hopefully within a year, he'd make around $35,000. And one of my other friends that was there, he owned at the time, maybe like nine McDonald's. And my friend that owned nine McDonald's, he told me the only happiness that he get is every Sunday during like most seasons when he can actually play, he get to play golf. Monday through Saturday, he's working, everybody like he's on call, all this other stuff going on. My other friend, the backpacker, he clearly was like, man, I love life. Like every day I get to hang out, I get to do all these odd jobs. And when we really looked, sat down and looked at it, the backpacker who make $35,000 a year is happier than my other friend who reached this level of success. Mm. This level of success, first of all, when you reach it, it's hard to keep it. Mm. That's number one. Number two is once you reach this level of success and you're trying to keep it, a lot of different things that we'll do anything to make sure that other people won't see our weakness in mm. what we're actually doing. So when I sit and say it, once I have the mansion in Lamborghini, let's say if my business is not doing so well, I'm going to do everything in my power to, to, make sure, to keep, make sure that everybody knows that, okay, he's still good. But then what happens when I can't keep that facade up? Everything come down falling. Instead of doing this, why can't we sit here and just start pulling back? Like, okay, let me just get rid of my Lamborghini. Let me downsize my house. Let me start pulling back all my bills to make sure that I have the capital, I have the funds to be able to be able to live how I need to live, to be an invest, to be able to do better. We try to live this life where we worry about what everybody else is saying and doing versus, you know, what we actually care about. So that goes back to what I said about the success. We're always gauging our success around other people's success. 
And I honestly know that you get people out here who don't care about watches. They don't care about Rolexes, but they would do everything in their power to go get one because what is one thing in a black culture? When you get a Rolex, you make it. Why do we have to do that? That same person don't care nothing about that. Well, that person, they don't even know about Rolexes. They, they don't even know about Rolexes. You ask them where they even made, they don't even know. So my thing is that one person who doesn't even care about that stuff, now they're looking at other people's level of success and what other people are telling them what success is, and then they're trying to chase after that. And then that's why a lot of the depression, a lot of stuff that we're going through is we're trying to chase other people's success. One thing is, like, I believe in Jesus Christ. So if you look at what Jesus Christ did back in the day, mm-hmm. and was he successful? Yes. yes. But if you look at what he did in today's world, it's like he didn't have a mansion. He didn't have this. He didn't have that. Now, if you look at, of course, and these are two totally different worlds, but what I'm just trying to bring up is you don't have to have all that to be successful. You don't need all that to be successful. Your own self-gratification of whatever you think is success, that's what only matters. You get some people out here who say, you know, for success for me is, spending every day with my kids. That's what my level of success is. But the world is going to tell you that, nope, that's not what success is. You need to make sure that you're living in a six-bedroom house. You have a 401k. You have this, 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 and this. You have to have the white picket fence with the dog, with the red door. That's successful. Then you go out and go get that, and you spent so much time away from your kids that now you're almost depressed. You can watch your kids grow up from a computer screen. So now you've let the culture tell you what your success is and you've lost yourself. Mm. So what we need to do is we need to start looking at what makes me happy. I don't care about what makes you guys happy. My level of success is what makes me happy. I've let the people around me dictate what my success is. And that's why I'm here. You know, that's what some of my problem is right here and right now. Mm. Thank you for being transparent with that, my brother. You know, definitely. I was going to ask you, like, what would you say helps you define success now? Like being that you, you kind of like, one of those things that we were kind of talking about earlier is like it takes that self-actualization, that self-work. So like what are the things that now that like you hit these goals, you made the millions, what are the things now that you find like are really valuable? So the two things I find valuable is when I'm actually helping other individuals, some of these people that I actually help, they literally like I'm talking about families who mom and dad cannot work because they're taking care of a sick kid. When I say sick, I'm talking about you know, these kids are not able to do yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, anything they, they cannot the walk. They yeah, on a tra- yeah, yeah. They're that trach invented. And when we say trach invented, that mean some of the most serious cases are when you are trach invented. Any type of oxygen that you're on where they're pumping oxygen into your yeah. lungs, BiPAP, CPAP, trach invented, that is serious. So when you have kids and adults and things that are trach invented and stuff and they cannot do anything and they're relying on a machine, then that's very, very serious. So the family that has to take care of this individual. That's stress on them. Stress on them. Super stressful. I mean, super stressful. And I've read this in a lot of different books where they say the person that actually has cancer sometimes or a lot of times is worse for the family because they actually have to watch that person deteriorate Mm. in front of them. Same thing. So when you have these people who are sick and stuff like this, I have literally moms and dads who are like, I haven't been able to work 15 years because I've had to take care of my son. My son or daughter have not left my sight. Like I'm that primary care. I have not been able to work. And then I come in and I bring in home health care. Well, now I have a nurse that's getting paid by their insurance company or Medicare taking care of this individual. Now mom and dad is able to work. Mm. Now mom and dad is able to get out and just enjoy their lives and be able to, you know, get out and go to a restaurant. Some of the simple things that we do, other people are not able to do. 
and we sometimes take shit for uh, we take it for granted. Big time. So on a day-to-day basis, I love what I do because I get to see the other side. Mm. You know, you know what I'm saying? And I actually get to see like what I'm doing is actually help. If you're not helping people, then what are you doing in this life? That's my love. That's my success. You know, being able to get out and actually help people. Now, number two, something else that I've come to realize is I'm also happy when I'm helping other people become entrepreneurs. I get happiness out of seeing the next person reaching their goals, opening up their businesses, getting everything that they want out of life. And I've sat here and I've came up to be one thing that we've been taught all the way back that there's somebody for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we believe. I honestly don't believe that. The reason why I sit here and say I honestly don't believe that, because like I said earlier, we live in a world where kids die young. They get shot. Mom and dad live the perfect life and then they lose their home. So what I realized in my mind, what I think is that some people are put on this earth to sacrifice their lives for other people. Mm. I think that as of right now, that my life, that like I said, I've reached all my, I've got all the money, I got all that. That stuff don't make me happy. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think that I'm, my happiness is me helping other people and me helping other people and having all these mentees and stuff. I don't really have the time to date. I don't really have the time to build relationships. I spend a lot of time away from my family. My mom called me all the time and she sit here and say, she, I can't talk to you because I'm taking care of these mentees. I'm taking care of these patients. I'm doing all this. I think that I might be one of these people just as of right now where I was put here on this earth to be able to sacrifice my time, family, relationships to make sure that the people around me are happy. But that makes me happy. That gives me gratification. So, you know what I'm saying? And one thing I have to come learn is that people don't know how to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. When I first started my business four or five years ago, I gave up a year of my life to my business. I gave up my phone. I gave up my social media. I gave up going out. I gave up everything. The only way that you see me is if you was helping me with my business Mm -hmm. for one year. I had a relationship. The young lady I was dating at the time, she didn't understand that. So it's cool to say like, yeah, I'm going to give up. After a month of me not leaving the house, except for to go get groceries, not even to be able to go to a date just to go grab something to eat because I was so focused and tunnel vision on what I wanted to do. The young lady was like, no, I can't do this. Like we're going to have like, she was like, it's only one day, like one day out of the week. Let's just go out to eat. Let's just go do, you could take time off. I said, no. I said, give me a year. Give me one year and we'll be able to do whatever you want. One year. She couldn't give me that year. Mm-hmm. I stayed focused. I don't know where I would be at if I would have, because what would have happened, it would have been one day a week to two days a week mm-hmm. to four days a week to five days a week. I'm hanging out with her. I'm doing all this stuff. Now your business getting neglected. Now my business, I sacrificed. Mm-hmm. People want to reach this level of success. They don't want to sacrifice. Social media has made it to where they follow people that don't sacrifice to get to where they are. And they're like, oh man, I don't have to sacrifice. I don't have to do this. You got young women out here that are beautiful. That's looking at other young women that's beautiful that date other people that are NFL players, rappers and stuff. They're like, they're getting everything they want. So I think that I deserve to have that. So they're not doing what they're supposed to do. You got men out here that are neglecting taking care of their children. Mm. They're neglecting taking care of their families. That are out here doing things that put them in really sticky situations. Man, I can be out somewhere and the guy can bump into me and say, F you all this, I'm going to look at him up and down and be like, bro, I don't know what you got going on, but I'm not the one for it. I'm out. 
you have it. You a pussy. Fuck, nigga. Oh, well. <laughs> cool, bro. You got it. I don't want no smoke with you. I'm too valuable to too many people to get caught up in some bullshit. Mm. A lot of people put their pride. They don't know how to sacrifice to be able to know, like, bro, I pay a lot of my mother's bills. If something happened to me, what happens to her? We let our ego, we get all this stuff put into us that we got to be this certain type of person when you really don't have to be. You don't know how to sacrifice. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, But the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So I've came to be able to come with, I sacrificed so much to be here and I still sacrifice. And with me sacrificing, like I said, I think that I'm truly here just right now, five years, 10 years, it could be different. But I think that, you know, as of right now, I've been put here to sacrifice my life to make sure that the others around me are happy because that's when I'm really happy is when I'm sacrificing to be able to see what other people, for them to reach their goals. Me buying a new car, a new crib, well, that shit don't make me happy. I don't care about that. It literally gave me gratification for a day or two, a week. But when I see that somebody else opens up a business, a home health care service, and I can see the happiness in them and their family, and they know that they're going to be able to create generational wealth, and they didn't have no medical background, they didn't have no medical degree, they're working with me. I knew it was something when people start calling me and texting me, and they're like, they're crying, telling me, like, I've changed their lives. I'm like, man, now that's powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what my power, like that's, that's, that's where- impact. Yes, yeah, like you said, that's where the impact come in at. So like, that's what I want to tell people. A lot of times, I just want to tell you guys, like a lot of these situations you guys are getting yourself into is only because of you. I'm not going to sit here and click, like if you're not where you want to be at in life, mm-hmm. it's because of you. Nobody else. Nobody else. At the end of the day, and let's just get deep for a second. If somebody's supposed to be doing something for you, that literally is something that's like, basically that has to be done for your company. I mean, it has to be done. And their mother or father or somebody close to them passes away, daughter, son. You can understand it, but at the end of the day, you still need done what you need done for your company. What I've seen people do is, I've met people who sit here and say, man, you know, I lost my mom, I lost my dad, which I understand, but that was nine months ago. What are you doing today? I understand you. Everybody grieve different. Mm-hmm. Don't get it wrong. Everybody grieve differently. But people take that grievance and then they let it hold them back in life. And then they look at that grievance as being like, you know what? They're not saying they're weak. But to me, I look at that as being weak because at the end of the day, you're using that grievance to show why you're not doing anything with your life right now. They're literally sitting there saying, man, you know, when the market fell in 2008, it did this, it did that. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you know, you still got to eat. Mm-hmm. You still got to work. You know, man, my mom passed away, which I understand that. But at the end of the day, you're still living. Mm-hmm. You're still here. You still have other people that count on you. I'm able to sacrifice that. Something that my mom told me a long time ago, and this is so fun. Well, it's not even fun, but my mom told me a long time ago, she said that when she passes away, I mean, well, not when she passed away. If anything would ever happen to her, she was to get into like a coma or anything like that, that she left it in her living will that I have the decision to either pull the plug or let her live. She told me if she ever happened, she don't want to be a vegetable. She said, pull the plug. I have an older brother. He's five years older than me. My mom told me that the reason why it's the decision is up to me because I will be able to make that decision and not bat an eye. 
That woman kind of said, hell kind of shit got to say to me. She said, because you're so connected and disconnected that you can make those very hard decisions and not put emotions behind it. That's what we have to do. So at the end of the day, yes, I understand that somebody passed away. I understand that somebody close to you, but we still got work to do because the person that wants your spot doesn't care about that. What we've done as a culture, what we've done just in general, we have literally came together and said, if something bad happens to you, everybody should care. Everybody should give you a pass. But that's not what the reality of mm-hmm. it is. Because the person that wants your spot, next time something bad happens to you, tell them time out. They literally go call them up and be like, time out. I need a day or two. So stop what you're doing. They're going to turn up. <laughs> yeah, They're going to go extra hard. <laughs> but let's stop with all the bullshit. In reality, do we really care when bad stuff happens? to people and it don't affect us us? and it don't affect us to be honest people want to be empathetic but not really not really people aren't and then for people that we actually care about when bad stuff happens we understand it we show support we show love but at some point you literally have to tell people like it's time for you to get back to your life whatever's happened to this person or, you know, whatever bad has happened, whatever bad situation has happened, we understand it, but you only have so long that you're supposed to grieve. You only have so long that you have to be able to sit here and say, you know, X, Y, and Z. It shouldn't be three years later and you're sitting here stuck and stagnant in your life and you're like, man, I'm stagnant because I never got over whatever happened back then. So guess who's to blame? You are. You got to address that trauma. You have to address that trauma. You have to be able to take care of that situation. That's why I say that you need to have very good friends because I've done things like this. Every two or three years for the last couple of years, I've pretty much changed most of my friend group. And it's been because of me. The reason why I've changed my, now I still got like a low bunch of friends that like, you know, they're still around. Like they still hang out with me all the time. But a lot of my friend group, I change it all the time because at the end of the day, I started realizing this right here. I literally said, man, these friends that I have right now, if somebody from the outside looking in came and looked at my friend group, what would they say about me? Mm. Then I sat here and said, man, these friends, they've been down with me. They did X, Y, and Z with me. You know, we done did everything up under the sun. But at the end of the day, are these going to be the people that's going to take me to the next level? And I started realizing things that they was doing and what they cared about. And they were stagnant in their lives. And I'm like, no, nah, this friends right here aren't going to be the people that's going to take me to the next level. We have to get out of this thing of thinking as to be a friend that we had to have done X, Y, and Z. I've had to know you 20 years. Got to be a day one. You got to be a day one. That day one is why you where you are right now. Mm. We have to be able to be able to change and be a chameleon. We got to be able to grow. You have to grow. If you Wherever you are in life right now, if you're not where you want to be at, and you saying that you want to change who you are, you have to change your friend group because you're hanging around people who probably pay the same amount in taxes as you, go to the same places you go around, talk to the same men or women that you talk to. You're comfortable. You mm-hmm. have to be uncomfortable. So at the end of the day, you have to start hanging around people that make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. If I walk in a room with Jay-Z, I'm feeling uncomfortable. Not because of, you know, this other man, but just looking at how much he sacrificed to get here, I'm looking at it like, man, I'm more amazed that, man, this guy has built this empire within X amount of time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm uncomfortable being around such great Black excellence. 
But it's gonna make you wanna go harder. But it's gonna make me wanna go harder. It's gonna make me wanna build. It's gonna make me wanna do better. So a lot of what we do, a lot of where we are in life is because of the people that we hang around. I understand they're your day one. That's cool. Your day one is gonna end up being day 5,664. Mm. You're gonna be in the exact same spot. Mm. You're gonna to have to get out and go like these business meetings. You have to get out and start going to different type of events that you're not normally comfortable in. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to start, build with relationships with people. And if you're some one of those type of people, like, so one thing that I love is I was able to build my empire without social media. You don't have to have social media to do what I do. That's why I love what I do. And social media, if you wake up tomorrow and people don't like you, you stop making money. If I wake up tomorrow and people don't like me, guess what? They don't even know I even own a company. <laughs> you know, it don't really matter at the end of the day. But the thing I want to say about like social media and stuff like this, and just about, like I said, building your empire and the people that you hang around and stuff is once you start hanging around different type of people, you're going to start noticing that you're going to start having like a lot of likeness with other people that's trying to grow. Also, if you're hanging around people that are literally smoking, drinking, doing all this messed up stuff, guess what? You're more than likely going to do what they do. You have stuff in common with these people. Mm-hmm. Once you start hanging around people that are growing and wanting to do better with themselves. It's from simple things like drinking water every day, then you're going to start doing those type of things. That's why we say your friend group means so much. But one of the hardest things to do is stop hanging around people that are keeping you where you are. If you are not losing your friends when you're trying to be a better person, then you're doing something wrong. And I stand by that. Mm-hmm. Either you're pulling them with you and you guys are growing together. And when I say together, you're telling them, like, hey, I'm about to go to this meeting. Come with me. And they're like, cool. If you're not losing your friends, trying to better yourself, then you're not doing something right. It's impossible to be able to do both. When I say lose your friends, I don't mean like they just don't hang around, but you're just starting to understand growing apart. you're growing apart and you're growing towards other Because people. the conversation changed now, which y'all interested in changes now. You started reading books and listening to podcasts. They still listening to the latest mixtape and watching all the bullshit on TV type shit. Yep. And that's literally what happens. And that type of stuff influences your thoughts. Man, Gooch, I'm glad you're getting on this. That's some good stuff. Man, it was something earlier I wanted to ask you. Whenever you were talking about the families, how you were able to help them, the different families, you know, they have the kids, they're stuck, unable to help them. With those people, when it comes to working with insurance companies, how does that work for y'all? Like, do they just be not knowing or something like that they could do this? So it's so sad. I run into a lot of families. Right now, with most of your insurances, if you have private insurance, for Georgia, we have like Blue Shield, Kaiser Permanente. I don't know if y'all have that out here in Texas or not, but I know Blue Cross, Blue Shield in Louisiana. I don't even know what they do out here. Okay, yeah, okay. So, so yeah, whatever insurance you have, mm-hmm. more than likely you have some type of home health care benefit. So if you have like a skilled need, when I say skilled, that means registered nurse or LPN to come inside the home and do things like give you medication, do wound care. Things like BiPAP, CPAP, if you have oxygen, you breathing on oxygen, they're going to be the ones to make this machines and actually work the machines and make sure that you can breathe on a day-to-day basis. You have that benefit. Most insurances have that benefit. How many people actually know that they actually have that benefit? Nobody knows about it. So a lot of what I do is actually education on things mm-hmm. like this, letting people know that you actually have that benefit. And then these families that need this help, they're like, man, like they're amazed that they can actually be able to come in and get this help through the insurance companies. But like I said, for what I do, that's some of the things that I actually love doing. I love marketing in the home healthcare field. And like I said, using the home healthcare field. So marketing for me isn't social media. 
It isn't Facebook. Mm-hmm. It isn't things like this. At least not for my actual yeah, healthcare you, business. These people are not making the decisions on yeah, social they're media. They're not making decisions on social media. My marketing is me calling up a hospital, meeting with their nurse case manager team, which might be 10 or 15 of them, bringing an amazing lunch, which we call a lunch and learn, bringing them an amazing lunch and going over everything and all the benefits that we have of how we can actually help them. And then when I meet with all these hospitals and doctor offices and things like this, I'm not trying to get the whole doctor office to like me. I only need one or two. I only need one or two people inside the office to like me and give me referral. And then that's what I aim at. So when I'm in there and I'm talking to these people, I'm actually giving them a chance to talk a lot because I want to hear what the problem is with the other companies that you guys have. How can we make this better? A lot of them sit here and say, you know, we're saying paperwork to the company. 48 hours later, they'll reach out to us or they'll come down here to the hospital. Cool. We're going to do one better. If you send us paperwork before 12 o'clock, we're going to be at the hospital getting our paperwork signed from the patient before the end of the business day. But the only way that you can understand that is by shutting up and listening to what the people that you're trying to help have to say, which is, like I said, the nurse case managers and stuff. Are, we're trying to help provide nursing care to their patients. When I go into a patient's home and I listen to a patient and things like that, and I'm actually talking to a patient, I ask them, like, what do you need? What help do you need? Because I might go in there and say, you know, you need X, Y, and Z. They might say, I really don't need that. I only need somebody to come in and do A, B, and C. But because they're not trained and they're not educated on what I can and cannot do, they're just going to take what I give them. Mm-hmm. So we actually have to be able to get out and understand the people that we're helping. So that's why every time I do an intake and I actually go out to the home, I talk to the parent about like, you know, what's going on? Are you working? Are you doing this? What do you need? What is your child or adult or your mom and dad not able to do? What would you like for them to be able to do? What can we work with them on? Those are the type of things that I've learned just through my background and through all the years of me training and stuff of being able to make sure that you ask the patient or whoever you're helping, like, what are your needs? Like, what do you want? That's some good stuff. Yeah, that's deep. And that's, that's that listening to the patient, though, and really just coming from a place of helping people. And I think that's one of the best ways, I'm going to say, to sell. But one of the best ways to be in sales is to actually listen to what the need is and try to figure out how you can actually target that need instead of just selling them a product that they don't even really want. Yeah, but that's why I love what I do actually teaching the home healthcare blueprint because I listen to my actual students. Mm-hmm. I listen to my actual mentees and I talk to them all the time. I'm like, you know, what's going on? What do you need? You know, I need you to do A, B, and C. Do you need me to explain A, B, and C? Do I need to get somebody else like one of my specialists on the phone with you to explain A, B, and C? Because I teach people all over the whole country how to get their actual permits to be able to provide healthcare inside the homes using nannies, CNAs, LPNs, and RNs. Because no matter where you are inside the, the country, our healthcare system pretty much works the same. Mm-hmm. In different cities and states, it do come down to being different paperwork. Like I explained earlier, unlicensed and licensed. Unlicensed states, I don't think I explained earlier, but unlicensed state mean that you don't have to go through the state to actually get your license. Mm-hmm. All you have to do in most cities and most states that's unlicensed, only unlicensed, you have to get your LLC, EIN number, MPI number, business license, and your insurances, and you're able to operate. Look, you said nannies. So nannies can do this stuff too? Like- so, so when I first actually started my company, I actually started a nanny agency. 
Oh. A nanny agency is basically replicable to how I run my agency now. And with a nanny agency, there's nowhere in the country where there are any laws or anything over a nanny agency. You don't have to get a permit to mm-hmm. run a nanny agency. You just have to get your business license and your LLC. and it's Almost kind of like an unlicensed state. Yeah, just like an unlicensed state. And then you're able to operate. When I first did my nanny agency, once I got up and running, maybe like seven months into it, I was making like $17,000 a month yeah. off my nanny agency. So let me just give you the numbers. Everybody always want to know the numbers of like how much I make and like what I do. For a skilled case, they pay me around $45 an hour. I pay my nurse $25 an hour. Some of them get $30 an hour, depending on how good of a nurse they are. So just to give the smaller number, let's say I'm making $15 an hour off of this skilled case. Most of my skilled cases are between 40 and 84 hours a week. I'm just going to give you the smaller numbers. So that's 20 times 40 hours a week. What is that? 800. 800. So 800 times four, 3,200. Mm-hmm. So 3,200 times 12 is what? We're like, what, 50,000? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that's $50,000 that off I- Off of four patients. No, off no, of one, one patient, patient. Because I did, what, um 800 times four. I got you. That's which a, was, which was the four, week, a month. month. Yeah. yeah, yeah, over a month. I got you. So that's $50,000 that I take home off of that one patient. I just said $20 an hour. Of what I take home, not the twenty five that she takes home. Pay, yeah, I take home that. I still use a home office, so my bills and stuff. Yeah, for that, I don't know, really have no expenses. Are low. My expenses, I don't really have no expenses, except for my staff and things like that. But my expenses, I keep them low. So that means in one year, I make fifty thousand dollars off of one case, yeah. off of skill. That's the registered nurse and LPN. So but let's go ahead and start talking about the unskilled, yeah, the, the unskilled, CNAs. the CNAs. I make $20 an hour off a of CNA. I pay them somewhere around roughly, the average is $12. I like to pay them $12 an hour. So you're doing better than they were getting paid well. <laughs> no, and that's the thing about it. So I take home $8 an hour. Most of my unskilled cases are between 30 and 40 hours. Let's just do 40 hours. Well, some of them go up to 56 hours, but let's do 40 hours. So that's eight times 40, which is what? 160. Mm-hmm. So then that's 160 times four. What's 160 times four? That's 640. Eight times 40. What's that? I'm tripping. That's 320. Eight times 40, 320. All right. So eight times 40 is 320. Mm-hmm. Three, yeah. And then 320 you, times four. Mm-hmm. That's 1280. 1280. And that's times what? 12. That's $15,360. That I take home. So that's the thing about it. It's a numbers game for me. hmm If I get 10 patients. At that number, how much am I taking home off 10 patients? That's $157,000 right up. Off of 10 patients, off of working literally 10 patients, 40 hours a week. Unskilled. Unskilled. And I'm taking that home. Anybody can do this. Mm -hmm. But something else that people have to understand is, in doing what I do, like, I'm going to be completely honest, transparent. I can't spell to save my life. I just can't. That's one of the hardest things. I just really, I don't know what it is. I learned it. I just can't spell with mouth, I'm not the best at mouth. But that's one of them type of things. People walk in the room and they know that and they learn it about me. They size me up and they're like, oh, he did this. I can do it too. Which you can. But at the end of the day, what I've done is I hire people that mm-hmm. are the best at what they do to come work for me. When you look at the president of the United States, when you look at Obama, Obama never served one day in the military, but he's ordering military The commander strikes. in chief. The commander in chief is ordering 
strikes around the world, military operations, undercover, whatever. He's never served. How was he able to do that? He's got the best cab. Because he hired the best person at what they do to advise him. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, Obama don't know some of the countries, some of the words that they use. He don't have to, just like with me. I don't know how to spell all the words at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. but the person that works for me, they ass better know how to spell everything. (laughs) My my accountant, when I ask him those questions about like, you know, what's this number times this number, he better know how to say that number off the top of his head. So no matter what business that you run, we have to understand that stop trying to do everything and be the best at everything. It's okay not to be the best at everything. It's okay. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. You have to be a good judge of character more than anything else. Because if you're a good judge of character, that means you're going to hire somebody off the good judge of character to come in and do what you need them to do. Just being in business, you have to be able to come in a room and get somebody to believe in your dream. That's what I'm able to do. Most of my employees believe in my dream. When they believe in your dream, they're able to stay later. They're not asking for more money. They love just talking to you and being around you. But that's why I love home health care because my actual employees, they love what they do. Mm-hmm. They love taking care of these individuals. They love taking care of these kids. They love taking care of these adults. They love what they actually do. And I'm just a middleman. What I do, that's why I say I look like a staffing agency. What does a staffing agency do? They go get the client and then they go get the contracts. Mm-hmm. When I go get the client, those are the patients. I go out and market. I told you one way that I actually go out and market. I set up lunch and learns. Mm-hmm. I go to charity events. I go to schools that have these different type of people that I want in my organization. Then I go look at the employees. I go hire the employees. I just connect the two. Mm-hmm. I'm the middleman, like Uber. I'm just like Uber. Look, think yeah, about like it. you the service platform for you to connect. I'm the connect. And guess what? Uber has all the licenses and permits. The Uber driver doesn't. And me as the person that's getting inside the Uber, me nah. either. Mm-hmm. So me being a patient, I don't have none of the license. The Uber driver and stuff, he don't have none of those licenses and stuff. Who has it? Uber does. I'm Uber. That's it. I'm the staffing agency in between. That's the easiest way you can look at it. That's the easiest way I can explain to anybody. The Uber of home health care. The Uber of home health care. At the end of the day, I hold all the licenses for my employees and for my patients. Mm-hmm. I make sure that both of them are doing what they're supposed to do. I connect both of them and I take my small percentage out of, you know, holding the platform and making sure that everybody does what they're supposed to do. I mean, small, big percentage, you know, whatever you got. It's a percentage based on whatever you did the work. So, yeah. So, Jonathan, I got to ask, man. I'm somebody, I'm listening. I'm here and I'm like, okay, 
I got the 10, 15 bands like he suggested at the beginning. Mm-hmm. What would it take for me to get in the home healthcare blueprint? Like, I just go to the website. So you're going to go to homehealthcareblueprint.com, mm-hmm. and I have a course. My course is $2,000. You buy the course, and no matter what state that you're in, I'm going to send you the paperwork for your state that you're going to need to do. So when I say the paperwork, you know, it's going to be like a lot of background checks and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Typically, that paperwork can be done within about a week and not even like a four. Like you're literally talking about every day, just going through the paperwork, filling out what you can, take an hour or two out the day. You'll be able to complete the paperwork. But then I have another mentorship, which for Georgia, I charge six thousand. That mentorship is us coming in, doing all the paperwork for you. If you're outside of Georgia, I have a ten thousand dollar mentorship which is I walk you through being able to file all your paperwork and stuff like that. And then I have a $20,000 mentorship, which is like a one-on-one mentorship that you work with me. I fully open up your company. I help you get patients. Like, you know, it's the whole thing. You work with my medical team. Mm -hmm. We're coaching you on how to build out client Mm one-on-one type of things. All this stuff is in my Almost like giving you a turnkey. Yeah, basically uh, giving you a turnkey. Yeah, so like I'm going to work one-on-one with you to be able to get all that stuff done. Like, it won't be the course. The course is going to teach you all this stuff, but some mm-hmm. people, they want to actually, then like I said, for the person that say, you know, I don't want to do anything. I just want to pay you to do it. That's where that 20K come in at. And that's how you're able to so you go to homehealthcareblueprint.com. And then actually in homehealthcareblueprint.com, you can set up and schedule a call with me. Like, not with somebody else. It physically will be me on the actual calendar. Or you can go to my Instagram, which is at whoisgooch, W-H-O-I-S. G-O-O-C-H. And then you can click the link in my bio and the link tree. And then you can see where you can schedule a call with me or go to homehealthcareblueprint.com, which have all the information for you. That's a bet. That's a bet. So appreciate that, Gooch. And I kind of want to pivot to the last section. This is where we ask, what's one personal finance tip you can give to anybody who's out there right now getting started or maybe just trying to change their life around? One financial tip that I would say that I wish that I knew was, I wish I knew the importance of credit. It all falls back down to credit. Mm. I just wish I knew the importance of credit. I think that's like the biggest financial tip that we have to start learning about credit at Mm. a younger age, because I was just about to eat with somebody yesterday and they literally sat here and came back and said, it was like, man, I want to do all this stuff. And I don't have the credit to be able to buy my house. I don't have the credit to be able to purchase my first car. And now I'm having to go to, you know, Dick and Jane to be able to get this stuff done Mm -hmm. or whatever they was trying to do at that moment. They could not do because they try to build on their credit and it take them three or four or five or six months. So I want to say, man, credit is king. I don't, you know, and I'm in healthcare, and I still say credit is king. So if I had a financial tip, I tell people pay more attention to credit and building credit because one thing I've come to come learn is a lot of times we don't work on our credit until we need something. Mm. You need to work on your credit before you actually need it. But that's the tip I'm going to give people right there. Work on your credit when you don't need it. So when you need it, it's there and it's waiting on you. Because as we all know, when you think about when you're trying to buy your first house and your credit's all bad and they're right. telling you S, Y, and Z, like you're just. You just missed out on your dream. You huh? can get an FHA loan with a uh, 580 credit score, but. Then you go get fucked on the interest. Yeah, or you're trying to rush and try to do things. So let's say like you're trying to buy your first car and they're telling you it's a buy here, pay here, or you got to get a co-signer or it's this, this, and this. Now you're trying to run and get, um, what do you call it? Uh, what's it called on your credit? Trade line. Trying to get a trade line, trying to do all this stuff because guess what? You need a car today. 
but everything that you got to do is going to take a month or 60 days. Now you're paying all this money. Now you're doing all this stuff when you should have been doing that when you didn't need it. Now that you need it, now you're here. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Now that you do it before, that's what I'm going to tell people. Work on your credit when you don't need it. I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that one a lot, man. Uh, Appreciate that, my brother. Especially you sharing that because, you know, like even some people say cash is king. You know, they do the cash thing. But even as a millionaire, I'm pretty sure like you still have to leverage your credit to do a lot of things. Or like even with your business, like you're not going to spend all that money just like, why use my capital when I can use other people's money if I know I'm going to have a return on this, right? Yeah, no, definitely. And then just the world that we live in, we are built around our credit. So you can use cash all that you want, but I can do more with my credit that you can do with your cash. And some things you cannot even use cash to even be able to do. That's just the sad part about it. Some things you cannot even use cash. They literally look at your credit and be able to evaluate your credit. You can say that you make X amount of dollars. When I went and brought my Lamborghini, they literally see how much money that I made. And you know what they came back and said? You still got to put down $75,000 on this Lamborghini. I'm like, how? Look at what I make. I make millions of dollars a year. Like, look at, they said, we don't care. You know what? The most expensive car that you have on your credit right now at this point is this Range Rover that's at 80000 You want a quarter of a million dollar car, 200 You got to go up. We yeah. don't care how much money that you make. Your credit only shows that you was able to afford an $80,000 car. So guess what? We want $75,000 from you. Damn. Tay told me the same thing with the McLaren. He's like, I had a Tesla. That was my highest expensive car. He had to put $65,000 down on the uh, McLaren. And credit runs the world. Like I said, you can have all the cash in the world, but at the end of the day, either you're going to pay it all right. <laughs> or you're gonna, but it's going to get to a point where you can't pay for everything out. Exactly. You, you can't. Who wants to, to, who wants to drop to a quarter million dollars on a car just for the fuck up? No, look, break it down simpler than that. I have $250,000 in cash that I can spend on a car. Or? Or I can put down $50,000, take that $200,000, invest it into Bitcoin, Ethereum, invest into another company, whatever the case might be. Now that $200,000 that I spent on investing into something else, I'm going to actually see a return on it. It grew to four. And then it grew to four and five. And now... I can do whatever I want to do because now I've made my money back off of that too. So paying for cash, if you got somebody who's paying cash for everything, if that's almost like going and buying a $2 million house, like my mansion cost me $2 million. I literally have no money. I could have went and cashed out on my house. But then I thought about it. I said, why the hell am I cash out? Yes, I'm paying interest on this money, but like, so. It's going to help build your credit. So just to, so like my mortgage right now is $14,000. That's just what it is. My mortgage is $14,000. But the money that I didn't spend, I have reinvested into my company and other business adventures. So I'm going to actually make more money off of me not spending that money and leveraging my credit than I would have if I just paid it. Because if I'd have paid the money, yeah, I own this house outright, but now I'm out $2 million. I can't do anything else with that money. The mm-hmm. money not making no more money for me. So I've taken it, used my credit, and now that other money, the other $175,000 or whatever, I mean, one point seven five. Whatever, yeah. yeah, whatever point is, now that money I use to invest into other things. Because the percentage, I'm going to make more money off of it. Mm. Mm. Hard, man. That opportunity cost of using all your own cash. I got to learn how to get do them little math problems. I'm going to start showing them examples on that. But man. Gooch, man, yeah. I got to say thank you, my brother. This has been a powerful episode, man. Appreciate you pulling up one more time for everybody. Can you let them know where they can find you at and all that good stuff? So they can find me at... Instagram, who is Gooch, W-H-O-I-S-G-O-O-C-H. 
And the reason my name is Gooch, my full name is Jonathan Gooch. Mm-hmm. Gooch just caught on oh, to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah most I, people, I, I didn't even think about that, bro. Yeah, like my full name is Jonathan Gooch. So that's why you can normally call me Gooch, and that is my name. Or you can find me at homehealthcareblueprint.com. That's homehealthcareblueprint.com. And then once you go on there, you can book and schedule a 15-minute free call with me. And that's the way you can find me. Yeah, that's a bet, man. Appreciate you for coming through, cutting the trip short, flying down to come kick it with us. Like David said, this was an amazing episode. Uh, And I definitely want to get into some house cleaning before we get up out of here. I want to say thank you to all of our faithful and loyal listeners who listen to us week in, week out. We appreciate y'all for y'all diligentness and, you know, just sticking with us, always helping us grow and always offering the support. We want to say thank y'all. Thank y'all. Y'all the shit. Yeah, y'all definitely share this Mm -hmm. to any family members, any friends that y'all feel like this could be impactful and empowering to. Make sure you share this to them. All it takes is, you know, click the link, copy it to your clipboard and paste it out. Send it to somebody. It's not that much hard work. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And while you're at it, make sure you leave that five-star rating and review. We like to hear back from y'all. Let us know what y'all got going on. Other than that, y'all, if y'all want to become part of a great community and learn about personal finances on a better level, if you and your personal financial journey, you just getting started and you feel like this information is overwhelming, we have the perfect solution for you with BWR Academy. In our private community, we have industry leaders coming in, teaching weekly classes, weekly budgeting calls, accountability calls, so much, man. What else yeah, we man, we got man. the savings challenge where we're helping a thousand families collectively save a million dollars. We got some pressure. We got access to a financial advisor. So if you need some help like that, you can get access to that. If you want to set up your life insurance policies, we got access to a life insurance broker right through the academy. So you can do all of those things. And we're going to keep on providing value with it. Like he said, tries out seven days free. You get seven days on us. You can come try it out. If you don't like it, cancel that card and keep it pushing. But we're trying to give this value around here. Yes, sir. BWRacademy.com. Just go to BWRacademy.com and you can join BWR Academy. Yes, sir. You got something, Jared? No, just that that link will definitely be in the show notes as well. If y'all looking for BWR Academy, check out the show note links and it'll be in there. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.